there seems to be a common thread that's going through <clears throat> through ministries. Uh, I've heard several people in the Lord recently talking about wisdom, and <clears throat> we had a message here on wisdom and, and so on. And, and when I see that happening, I, I, I oftentimes will say to God, is there a message that you are really trying to get to your people because repeatedly the same thing is coming up over and over again. Uh, and we do indeed need to use some, some wisdom, especially during this, this time of year. Uh, and he made a comment, <clears throat> Brother Brandon made a comment about um, horror movies and other things that are relating to Halloween. Uh, this is the time of year where you really have to have some spiritual intestinal fortitude, if you will, some guts to really stand up in the office and say that, I mean, you know, I, I'm not celebrating Halloween, I'm not going along with that, and no, I don't have my children involved, and <clears throat> we've done that from the time that all of our children were young, and we just, just stood our ground, and uh, the reason being that, that if you really understand God and his kingdom, and if you take him seriously, and you really believe what the word of God says, um, there's all sorts of forces that are out there that would be trying to deceive us and without godly wisdom you won't see it now um, brother brandon mentioned a good horror movie yeah my wife and i do like good horror movies but you got to be very very careful about what it is that you're watching and things that are taken so for granted we all are familiar with a movie that was called the omen okay they were a series of the omens it was like a trilogy or so three or four um, um, versions uh, episodes or remakes of it or whatever and um I forgot how my wife and I stumbled upon it. It had to be Holy Spirit that was leading us. But there was a distinct song that was being played all throughout the movie. And it sounded like a Latin chant, you know, and that kind of intrigued us. It turned out the Latin chant that was being chanted was, was a satanic um, Diablo, so I forget the entire name now, but it was Diablo something or other. And it was a prayer to Satan. Okay, now this is right there in the movie. And so here you are sitting there, you're listening to this movie, and you're letting that in through your eye gate, in through your ear gate, and it's getting into, into your spirit, you see? You see, and that was done by design. It was done by design, all right? And it, it was a good movie, good movie, okay? But after you realize what's going on there and what's being said in that chant, you don't want to be opening yourself spiritually to that kind of music and listening to it, you see? So you need to use and you need to choose what you do um, um, in this world today. And the Bible is crystal clear on witchcraft, witchcraft and occultism and everything. And when people say, oh, well, Pastor, it's only fun. I mean, it's all done in innocence. They're only dressing up in costumes. Um, I shared in church many years ago when I, when I did a full-blown Halloween sermon that um, it was really a revelation to me some years ago when I was doing some research on the Internet. And it was actually a witch's website that I went to, and I do not advise people to do this. But there was a witch's website that I happened to stumble upon. And this was not, not play. This was, this was the real deal. And they actually had the, 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 wheel, the, wheel, the wheel of their holidays, the, the, their Sabbaths, as they're called. And Halloween is one of the most high holy holidays because it's on, the, it's on All Hallows' Eve. Long story short, they said, join us in spirit during this important time of season. Join us in spirit. Join us in festivities during this important time of year. You see? So these witches take this thing very, very seriously. And what they are saying is that even though you're not one of them, to join us in spirit. So if you've got your kids or if you're celebrating this time of year, that means that you are in spiritual alignment with what is going on during these, these uh, demonic high holy days. And if you look at this witch's wheel, witch's wheel, that has all of the Sabbaths around, and I'm not going to mention them, but one of them is that Sabbath, which is called Samhain. S-O-W-H-E-I-N. 
and 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 that's a, it's it's all Hallow's Eve and so on. But anyway, this message was not intended to get into that. But I just wanted you to say that that you you, you have to use some wisdom. But you also need to understand, though, what God's original intention is for our lives, okay, as children of God. God has what is called in theological certain circles as God's divine intention. And his divine intention started for us to be winners and for us to be on top of things. But, however, from day to day as we go about our lives and all sorts of issues crop up and we, we forget to use some wisdom, we forget what God's original will is for mankind, specifically his children. You know, and it started right there in the garden. So we're going to briefly go, go to Genesis chapter 1, just so that I, I, if you don't understand... <clears throat> that God's intention has not changed, and how do we know that? Well, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God's intention has not changed, then we can come to learn and to understand that, um, gee whiz, why am I struggling? I shouldn't be struggling. That's not God's intention for me to be struggling. It never was, and it won't be now. So we go to Genesis 1, and this one will start at chapter number 26. After we've gotten past the fifth day, creation of the days and so on, it says, you know, God, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God said, let man have a dominion. All right, now, first of all, he says, let us make man in our image. Here it's saying our, so this is referring to the Trinity. Okay, it's almost like God is, is talking to Trinity as they're having a little conference or something, and they're saying, let us make man in our image. So our image, we know that God does not have a physical body. So the image that God is talking about is spiritually, is spiritually. So the first thing you have to realize is that you are indeed a spiritual being and believe that. Okay, our image and after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, etc. So God's will was for mankind to have dominion. And, and verse 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Okay, subdue it. Subdue means to take control. Take control of the physical environment, to take control of the things in your life. But how many times when we are struggling with something, how many times do we feel that we're able to subdue the situation, to subdue the person that is coming at us, to, to, to subdue the thoughts that are running through our heads? All right, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And again, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of a tree yielding seed is, to you it shall be for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, so, so God's divine intention here was for mankind to have dominion over his environment. Okay, was, was to have dominion. In order for us to fully grasp that concept, if you don't understand what God's divine intention was and that the fact that it hasn't changed, then when we go through our lives and we start struggling, we forget that was not what God intended it to be for me. God intended me to have dominion over the situation. All right? So then we continue in, in uh, Genesis 2, and we just go to verse number 20. Uh, no, let's, let's go to verse 7. Okay? Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. 
And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and, and, uh, and, for food, and good for food. The tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees, not, not just one, but two. All right? And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and it became four heads. The name of the first is Pishon, that is, which encompassed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedelium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is, is uh, Gihon, the same as that compassed the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, that which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is, is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. God's divine intention was for, for man to work and to keep this garden going. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, uh, for it, eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So there was God's intention there, that there were certain things that man should have, and have, have for his, his, his own, have dominion over every herb, every tree, and so on like that, except for, except for that one. Verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whoever, who, whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So what God did there, he says, here's this beautiful environment. However, I'm God. I certainly know what these creatures are. Adam, you call that thing a so-and-so. It's really an elephant, but God could have said call it something else. That lion, God could have said you call it a so-and-so. What did God do? God stood back and he said, I want you to name it. I want you to name it. So here God gave man the dominion and said, you take it and you shape it. And you call it what you will. To a degree, God does the same thing for us with our lives. God gave us the life. God gave us an environment. Then God looks to us and he says, okay, you have some choices. I don't want to make the choice of naming that beast. You choose what you name it. Well, the same thing goes with your life. God brought you to where you are. God has you, has you in an environment. And many of the times, God looks to you to make the choices. He lays things out before you. You can go to the left. You can go to the right. You can go down the straight and narrow. But God wants you to take authority over your life and to have dominion over it, to form it and shape it the way you should be shaping it in accordance with God's will. Amen? Amen? And so he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, and see what we call there, and verse number 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, it was a rib indicating that he was taken from man's side, meaning that the woman should be by man's side. 
Eve was not taken from the bone or bone of his head, meaning that she should have dominion over him. Eve was not taken from a bone in his foot, meaning that the man would trample on her and, to, and that she should be subservient. He was taken from man, she was taken from man's side. Verse 23 says, and Adam, uh, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed, because they were still innocent and so on like that. But here we see distinctly, though, this was a man and a woman. And this, by the way, is the institution of marriage. This is the first institution of marriage taking place here in the Garden of Eden. And you've heard the expression, I'm sorry, but I'll say it. Doesn't that say, you know, even Steve, Adam and Steve, or any of those other things that you've heard, it says a man, a man shall leave his parents and cleave to his wife. Okay, this is between a man, one man and one woman. All right? And so as we see there, now, now, now they, were, they were both innocent, they, they were naked, but they weren't ashamed because they were still, they were still innocent. Man's uh, dominion and God's order to subdue meant that man began with a mind that was perfect. That, that was not perfect as God, but it was perfect in infinite wisdom to learn. Okay? The original Adam in God's divine intention was that this man should be mature enough and with, with God walking with him and ministering to him and talking to him during the course of the day, God's original plan, the original intention was for, for this man to have this wisdom that has, had the capacity to grow. Man would not know or did not have the, the capacity to know the unknown secrets that God knows, but he had the, the infinite capacity, the finite capacity to learn. So that meant that God created this man and said, you take this environment and you shape it. You shall learn and you shall grow. God's intention was that until it was interrupted, was that during the time of living with them, I believe that Adam and Eve would have grown, would have grown, and their knowledge probably would have, would have um, exceeded exponentially, would have multiplied and grown in God, okay, because God was ministering to them personally and one-on-one -on -one and was talking to them. And how do we know this? It says because the scripture says elsewhere that man is growing in knowledge, ever growing in knowledge, but failing and never coming to know the truth. You see, so while man has a finite mind for learning, and many of us are very intelligent and can learn a vast number of very sophisticated things. We can do algorithms and all sorts of fantastic things. We can get to the moon. We can send um, satellites and rockets to the outermost part of the universe. We can do all, do all of that. But, but because of man's spiritual condition, he cannot learn the deep, deep spiritual things that Brother Brandon was referring to without God. You see, without God. All right. But the divine intention, though, was for man to, to live and to, and to um, have dominion over his environment, to control it and to shape it. All right. And that, that, that uh, intention of God is still there. And it is not meant to do it without him. Okay. So then we see that with that intention was there. And then we know what happened. You see, go to verse, uh, chapter 3 of Genesis. And we'll briefly read 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall, not eat, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, unless you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God, doth, uh, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. All right? So what the serpent did there, and it says subtle, because that's the way the devil is, 
Alrighty? And when the devil comes into our lives many, many times, he's very, very subtle. You'll have a situation pop up in your life that, that, that will not smack you right between the eyes as being an issue to you, but it'll come in a very, very subtle way. It'll start with something that is said to you. It may start with something that, a piece of mail that you get, something you see on the Internet, an email, a text message, Facebook or something. Something will come at you that will make you start doubting who you are in God. Will make you start doubting the fact that God's intentional purpose here, an intentional purpose here, divine intention, was for you to be victorious. And that has not changed. God does not want you struggling. He doesn't want you struggling. And I don't care what that struggle is. I don't care why, whether that struggle is, is seemingly financial. I don't care whether it's emotional. I don't care whether it's family issues. I don't care what it is. God does not want you struggling. That was not God's divine intention. God's divine intention was to, for us to fellowship with him, to be able to walk and to talk with him. All right? The only difference that exists today, and, and as, as opposed to what happened back here in the garden, is that we are not walking and talking in a plush environment where God is visibly there fellowshipping with us. The only difference is that, that God is certainly here willing to walk and talk with us, but it's on a, on a more spiritual level, you see. But God's divine intention has not changed at all. God does not want you struggling. God is right there listening to you, okay? Now, I don't know of anyone that has actually seen God to walk with him. I've certainly felt God's presence, and I'm certain, certain that many of you have also felt God's presence. So that hasn't changed, amen? His intention is for us to be right there by our side. Now, after the fall here, you see what happened, and we know the rest of the story. Adam and Eve was cast out of the garden and so on like that. But then, as time went by, God's plan did not change. So while man, while Adam and Eve threw us as, 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 as the human race into sin and separated us from God, because the fellowship was broken because of what Adam and Eve did, God said, I'm still going to bring man back to me. Okay? And the only way that I can do that is through a sinless person. To a sinless, for a sinless person to take on the sins of all of mankind by the shedding of blood. And blood is involved because in, in blood is the life is in the blood. Amen. So God had a very elaborate plan here. All right? Beautifully simple, but very, very elaborate right? and powerful. So God said, okay, well, 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 well uh, uh, man gave up all of this, this beautiful Eden. My divine intention is still there. Man will have dominion over this earth and over this environment. And as having dominion, he shall replicate my existence in the lives of others. This is why we as Christians and children of God, the requirement is that we do evangelize, that we do talk about the Lord, that we do spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, and again, I'm very quick to add that. This does not mean that God wants every single one of us to get a soapbox and stand up on the corner and start saying, repent now, repent, repent, you know, and start, you know, preaching to God word of God. God has a way for of all of us, for all of us to be evangelizing and God gives us a time and a place to spread his word and to talk about him as he sees fit. Okay, God does not want us taking on his job, you know, and trying, trying to promote things the way we want to do it. We have to do it as guided by the Holy Spirit and using some wisdom. Okay, so we know here that after, after this that God said, I have to bring um, someone in here who, who can, can take man's um, sins on himself, and then come back to me, and then open the door. So we know Jesus Christ came along. So now turn into Luke, moving forward in time here now. And, 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 and what happens all in between that is our two or three sermons or more all in itself. 
um, where in Isaiah it's prophesied about how Jesus would come and even the manner in which he would be crucified. You know, hundreds of years before it actually happened, it's prophesied in Isaiah, um, speaking pretty, pretty openly about his method of crucifixion and talking about how his bones would be separated and, and, and the, the joints out of socket and place and everything. And that is kind of, kind of hard reading even. But in Isaiah, it's prophesied pretty clearly exactly how he would die. But going to Luke 24, we have, let's see here. I'm not going to read all of Luke 24. Okay, this is, um, this is after, we, we all, of course we all know that Jesus Christ came on the scene and he was um, uh, crucified and so forth. Now this is talking about the, after you know, the, the resurrection. Uh, 24 verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done along the way and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see me have. Okay? Now, these are the people that walked and talked with Jesus. They saw all of the miracles. You know, Jesus said that I have, to, I have to die and be crucified and I will be resurrected. But these are people that walked and talked with him and they still obviously didn't believe him. You see, because they were so shocked and surprised when he appeared in their midst. You see? So now, the, these are the people that, that, that actually saw him and they were still surprised. So how does it differ for us? How many of us really, 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 really believe that the word of God concerning Jesus, Jesus and God's divine intention is really, really true? You know, do we have to have Jesus come and stand in front of us so that we can touch him and feel his body? You know, there was one among them, uh, Thomas, you know, and he said, why do you doubt? You know, because t- doubting Thomas, as he became known, said that the only way I would believe if I could see and touch him. You see, so if that's the case, then how are we going to? How are we going to manage our spiritual lives today? Are we like Doubting Thomas? Do we, can we only believe when we see Jesus? Well, that may not happen. You know, Jesus, I, you know, again, I'm not speaking for God. Jesus can choose to manifest himself in front of you if he wants to, okay? But if that does not happen, does, is that going to lead you to believe any less? You see, and, and that's the problem with us and why we can't have dominion in our lives because we just simply don't believe God. We say we do, we go to church and we hold up our hands and we praise God in church and everything. But how much deep in your spirit do you really, 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 really believe that God's divine intention is for you to have dominion over your life? Okay? That means dominion over every aspect of your life. Doesn't mean you won't have any problems, but it means that when that problem comes into your life, that you shift gear right away and you say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I got to put on the brakes here. You know? If you're going down a hill in your car, and you're going down too fast, and you start getting a little bit out of control. Don't you say, hold on, yeah, I, I got to get a grip on this and put on the brakes. See, I got to do something to slow this thing down. Well, it's the same thing in your life. I mean, unless there are some of you that say, wee, 
and you step on the gas instead of putting on the brakes. Amen. I see some people there shaking their heads, so I don't know. Maybe that's kind of true. But, uh, but, but, you know, but, but, but seriously, though, I mean, if, if your, your car is out of control, you say, well, wait a minute. I got to get this thing back under control. And you put on the brakes, do whatever you have to do. Well, it's the same thing that's in your life. If you see things going on in your life that are really helter-skelter, then you need to say, whoa, I need to slow down here and put on the brakes. And woeing and slowing down and putting on the brakes concerning the spiritual aspects of your life or concerning things that are going wrong in your life means that I got to put on the brakes here and reconnect with God. That means I got to put on the brakes here and get back into prayer. Things are happening too fast around here. Things are going wrong here. I don't know what's happening, but I got to put on the brakes and get back with God. Amen. Amen. So, so, so they, so they didn't believe and they were afraid. And it said there in scriptures that Jesus knew that they had some troubles in their heart. Verse number forty says, "And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here anything to eat? Okay. While they believed not." For joy and wondered, he said to them, have you here anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish um, and a honeycomb, and he took it, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Please, please in the line that all things must be fulfilled. You see, this is God's divine intention here, all right? He's saying all things must be fulfilled. Jesus here, Jesus knew that God the Father had a plan, all right? And the things that God plans have to happen and will come to pass. God's divine intention for mankind will not change, will not change. Things may appear to be helter-skelter and things in the world may seem like they're out of control, but God is very, very much in control. God is very much in control. Things that are going forward in this, in this country and everything like that, you know, and, and boy, this is a sermon in itself, and I won't get a whole lot in it, but, but uh, where's the saying scripture there that, that Israel, they all clamored for a king? They clamored for a king? They clamored for a king? Well, people wanted who they wanted to be in charge back then, and the same thing is now. The people clamored for a king. This is who the people wanted. In Israel, it brought about all sorts of pain and suffering. People clamored for a king. Well, the same thing applies here in modern times, and I'm not getting political. But the people that, the, the, the person or persons that the people want, this is why, as Brother Brandon was saying, you need to give some prayer and use some godly wisdom come election season, because people clamored for a king. All right? You can't sit back and complain if the person that is running the, um, you know, the state, the county, the, the, the nation, the world, and so have you, are the people that you wanted there. You see, because God's not going to violate man's free will. All right, this is who you've chosen, so this is who you've chosen. And now after that person gets in place, if they're not a godly person or someone that doesn't have godly wisdom, then the rest of it is history. You know what happens to society and all the problems that we have. You see, you see so, so, so you, you need to understand that God has an intention. God has, has, has a will, and God's will will be done. These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Now, I find it interesting in verse number 45 that it says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. 
if God went out of his way or if God felt that he needed to include that in the scriptures to tell us that Jesus opened their eyes so they could understand, then that means that for whatever reason, their eyes were not opened so that they could understand before that. Okay? Jesus knew that because earlier there it said that he knew that there were questions in their heart. Okay? So, so they, had no, they had no spiritual revelation or understanding of what Jesus was talking about. You see? And this happens to us as Christians, as children of God, if we're not careful. You know? We can go to church. We can read the Bible. And in this case, Jesus was right there in front of them, but they did not understand. So if God felt he had to put this verse in here for us to read, he then, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, then the same thing has to happen to us. That means then that for us also, it is possible for us to not be understanding what God is telling us. Okay? Oh, I understand. I read the word of God. I, I, I get it. I get it. Jesus was right there in front of him, them. But they didn't understand. Okay? So something that you should ask yourself in, in, in that quiet time, where it's just you alone, by yourself, and with the Lord, really, 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 really do some soul searching and ask yourself, God, do I really understand? Do I really understand? You see? Because you, 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 you might be deluding yourself. Maybe you think you do understand, but maybe there's something else that God wants to reveal to you. This is wisdom, knowing that, 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 that I don't know it all, that I don't have the sum total of God's knowledge in my head, you see? So while Jesus was there in front of him, you would think that they understood. The Bible says he then opened their understanding, okay? Then it says in verse 46, where now Jesus is speaking, it's written in red here, he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. That's awesome. That is so powerful. Okay? You open your understanding. So what he is saying here, understand, God's divine intention here, thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This was all a part of God's intention here in order to bring man back to himself. To give his only begotten son to die for the sins of man, the remission of sins. Okay? He said it had to come to pass. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you, stay a while, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Okay? So he's giving them an instruction here, you see, because God knew that man could not come back to him on his own. That it was not enough for man to try to do this in his own understanding. All right? And I'm jumping a little bit ahead here. But God knew that man would be too, too, too uh, fallible to do this on his own. So Jesus said here, you know, I want you to go to this whole thing, this redemption thing, it's starting in Jerusalem. All right? So he says here, I want you to stay, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. Now, at this point, all he said, from power on high. They didn't know what he was talking about. I'm sure they didn't. But he just said, just stay and tarry. All right? It's another reason. We've got to do what God tells us to do. Don't be in such a hurry to do or accomplish whatever it is that you want to do and to, and to, to accomplish. You know? 
You may be praying for something, something you may be want, you may be wanting, be it a job, be it a house, be it a situation, be it a change of lifestyle, whatever it is. You know, you know, don't be so fast to do it on your own. Tarry a while with God. Tarry a while. Tarry around with God. Okay? And say, Lord, what is that you would have me to do? You don't hear an answer, don't be so rash. Wait. Wait a bit. Wait a bit. Okay? Because you know, not hearing an answer is also an answer. How many realize that? You know, no answer is indeed an answer. It's telling you that God's not ready to tell you whatever it is he wants you to do. Amen. So don't go bouncing out on your own because you think it is you, you know what's best to do. You see, you don't know the future. A decision you make might not be in your own best interest because you don't know what someone else is doing, or what someone else is planning. You don't know. God knows how all the moving parts are fitting together. Amen. So he says, a tarry a while. Verse number 50 says, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into, he- into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Okay? So then in closing here now, we're going to shift to where, uh, in verse 49, where it says, Tarry in Jerusalem. The outcome of that is actually shown in the second chapter of Acts, and I'm sure many of you um, know from memory what that is all about. Well, he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until power from on high came. And we go to the second chapter of Acts. Okay. Second chapter of Acts, verse number one. It's just beautiful to see how all these pieces just fit fit together here. Uh, second chapter of Acts, uh, verse number one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the day of Pentecost, Pente is from the uh, uh, meaning Pentecost is fifty. So this was actually fifty days after Jesus' um, resurrection. All right. Uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Underline one accord with one, in one place. Being on one accord is very, very important, meaning that they were all in agreement. You see, and we need to learn to be in agreement. If you've got a family, if you've got a church, if you've got an organization that is not on one accord, you know, uh, what does it say? A house divided against itself shall fall. You know, so you need to be, you need to be on one accord. Um, being in one accord, everyone is of the same mind, of the same spirit. Amazing things can happen. Now, this can be done for good or for evil. Now, and, and again, those that are into the occult and witchcraft and so on, they know that. That's why they also believe in prayer and being on one accord. It is clearly il- illustrated in Scripture there where it talks about the building of the Tower of Babel. Okay? The Scripture says that they were all of one mind. And what did, what did the Lord say? Let us go down and confound them because being on one accord, being all, the, uh, there is nothing that will stop them uh, in their evil ways. And I'm paraphrasing. So what God is saying here, because they were all in one accord, they were in agreement to do evil, that they could also succeed in doing evil. Okay? Um, the people in ISIL, ISIS, they're on one accord. <laughs> okay? They're on one accord. Amen. So one, being on one accord, being in agreement can also be for evil. But this is saying here, though, and when they were, were, were day of Pentecost, they were all on one accord because they were all waiting. Jesus had told them to tarry. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are you not all, all who speak, Gal- uh, speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, uh, all strangers of uh, both um, of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were perplexed, saying one to another, what means this? Others mocking said, these men are full of wine. Well, we all know and very familiar that this was the infilling of the Holy Spirit um, on, the, on, the, uh, on the day of Pentecost here. And, and there, there are those that will argue, well, they were, there wasn't any supernatural thing done. They were just all speaking in different languages and so on like that. Well, if you just go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. One Corinthians twelve. Okay. See, they were filled with the Holy Spirit there, and it says that in this particular case was evidenced by the speaking of tongues. This is a supernatural event, and it is also referred to as one of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. So we see here in Corinthians, one Corinthians twelve, verse number ten. Well, let's, let's go up so you get it all in context. Go up to number four. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but as the same God who works all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. Please underline that it's given to every man to profit or to benefit. All right. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to benefit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh that one and very same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So in other words, the gifts of the Spirit are given to man as God so, God so, so, so deems. Um, but it is showing clearly, though, that the speaking in of tongues is a gift of the Spirit. And it's not something that should be tried to explain away, as I hear so many people do try to explain away, because they just do not want to accept, accept tongues, period. And so they make all sorts of excuses why these people were hearing their own language. Um, it, is, it is not anything strange to me. <clears throat> Many of you have heard me say that I was ministering over in West Salem some years back and was speaking and praying in tongues. And afterwards, some woman, a woman there came up and said that she had just turned, returned from a mission in, uh, in the Middle East over there. And she distinctly heard me speaking in Arabic. And I do not know a bit of Arabic, but she distinctly heard me speaking in Arabic. Okay? So what the Word of God here is saying is indeed real and, and, and is true. Um, it is not just 
just um, given so that uh, people in ministry, pastors or, or whatever should speak in tongues. The desire is there. If you so desire, you pray. Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit can bless you with tongues and praying in tongues and everything. It's the interpretation of tongues that gets into a little different, little different uh, category. But this is all saying here, though, um, these people would then, what happened to them was exactly what Jesus told them to tarry for was the infilling the power from on high and that's what came on was given to them the anointing of the Holy Spirit which opened the door for all of us as we become children of God to have Holy Spirit available there for us and the reason that is so is so that God can continue to carry out God's divine intention and that is for man to have dominion okay that for God to have for man to have dominion nothing has changed in the garden what would have happened if, if things had not been interrupted, was that man would, be, man would have had dominion under the power and leading of God himself personally, of God the Father. After the fall and everything that went on, and God bringing man back to him, remember when Jesus gave up the Spirit, it said there that the veil in the temple was torn in two. And the veil that was in the temple was that veil, that heavy curtain that separated the inner court, the Holy of Holies, from the outer court. Because only the priest, the high priest, could go into the Holy of Holies to pray for the people and to take on the sins and so on like that. So, so man was in essence separated by God, from God. Uh, by this curtain, the only one that had access to God was the Holy Spirit. Okay? The way God brought man back to him was through Jesus' sacrifice, giving up Jesus. When Jesus died, symbolically, that temple in Jerusalem was ripped in two, torn in two, and the scriptures say that now man has access to God directly. Okay? We don't need man as a high priest, but who is the high priest now? It's Jesus Christ. You see? You see? So God is beautiful if you understand what God actually did and is doing here, because through Jesus Christ, he made it so now that we have access to God again, Guidance with Jesus Christ as being the high priest. But now we have Holy Spirit to be the one to guide us and to give us knowledge and to give us wisdom. Okay? And that's what went afoul in the garden. That was God's original intention was for God to minister to man, to talk with Adam and Eve and, and all of mankind over the years. I mean, I can only, one's mind can just, can just wander with how that would have been if the Garden of Eden had actually stayed and, 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 and all of us were born into the world with the Garden of Eden the way it was intended, you know, but it didn't happen that way. So God brought us back to him through Jesus Christ. So the bottom line is that God's divine intention did not change. Didn't change. And he's carrying that out, you see. But more importantly, though, is because you can get into the theology of it, you can get into understanding what the scripture says, but the bottom line is if here on October 26th, 2014, you don't understand how that applies to you personally, then it's just an intellectual exercise. All it is is that you're intellectually understanding what the Word of God is saying. But if you do not understand spiritually how this applies to you today, and that that issue that's in your life, or that thing that you're wrestling with, the thing that you're worrying about, whatever it is that's going on in your life, if you can't understand that God's divine intention is for you to be an overcomer, okay, and that it hasn't changed, then you wind up struggling. Amen? Then you wind up struggling, okay? So the next time something comes into your life that has really given you a challenge, the next time you feel like something is oh so impossible, just remember that God's divine intention has not changed for me. And the Word of God says that God knew you from the foundations of the earth. That means that God knew you, and you put your name into the sentence, God knew you as...
from the beginning of time, and that God's intention is not for you to fail, um, that you won't. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.